Welcome to The Obsession Digression. A podcast that explores all of the cultural things that obsess us. I'm Sam Benarchik. And I'm Katie Waka. <laughs> and I needed so an extra flair. boost. Yeah. yeah, I needed... Because my life has been so boring this week. I just... I need a Yo, new arch enemy or Summer like, in college towns is rough. <laughs> ugh. There is That's why I always left. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be the last day of semester. I'd be like, all right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Jump this in a is car. true. You never stuck around. No. And-, and every once in a while, I'd have like a brief bout of like FOMO. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for even using that phrase. But nah, and then okay. I'd text people down here and be like, hey, what's going on? Are you having a bunch of fun? And everyone was like, I'm so bored. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. We have no money. I've seen the same five people every day for the last month. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> we like tried to get creative. We're like, let's go to the pool. And then we go to the pool and it's just the same five people again. And we're just like wet. Yeah. And talking to each other. So it's just like. <laughs> now let's so try this dry. True. Now yeah. wet again. And uh, dry one more time. Uh, we, with we a beer in hand. Drunk a without lot, a beer. But yeah. yeah. I mean, inevitably. <laughs> and yeah, just. Ah, so I summer. just. I have to say it. I, I will, you know, respect the confidentiality of all involved. But the first summer I did not stay around. This boredom and malaise escalated into outright violence where yeah. <laughs> someone kicked another person in the chest by yep. the end of summer. Yes, yeah. I it, think about it, that all the time. I really, because I was driving down like, oh, I got to catch up on all the stories I missed. And then I was like, oh, oh, oh my. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it just boiled <laughs> and boiled and just exploded. And It's like a wonderful love- like Southern Gothic trope though, right? The heat <laughs> just driving everyone mad. To be clear, I was not... Though you would expect me to have been, like, based <laughs> on my kicker. personality, to be the person kicking. No, or the but kicky. I, you were not kicked either. No, but I was the, uh, I provided the occasion <laughs> in which this took place because uh, you, we decided. You it along. Yeah, well, we decided to throw a party um, that was based around destroying people's lives anyways like that was the theme uh we just didn't like because we we were young we were stupid (laughs) we assumed a greater fortitude in those around us than there actually was yeah but you know i would welcome not like physical violence but just something going on like that right now because i'm so bored i just uh i love a silent war yeah. A what? Like a silent war. Oh, a silent war. I like that. Yeah, yeah. like I, I'm very close to my older sister. We were very, we're great friends. But I really, feel, I'm convinced, and we've never talked about it ever. But I really think there was this sort of silent war as we were growing up to see, like, because we were both did really well in school, and we both got jobs, and we're very successful, like in our like hourly high school jobs. And I think we were always like competing to see like who would come out on top. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. It was a great motivator. So she's the eldest, and are she you the, the middle child? That's right, yes. Okay, so the thing is, Sam, you can never win that war because you are the middle child. What do you mean? Th- well, do you not know this? Like, the middle child is always going to be, like, the non-special one. This <laughs> so, is, like, yeah. This is true, because, like, the eldest is like, oh, it's our first baby. We, like, experimented with a lot of things. They're so great. And then the baby, of course, gets away with everything. Mm-hmm. The middle child, it's kind of like, eh. Well, this was complicated, though, because I was also the only boy. And so True. I sort of, like, was able to, like, pivot this into, like, a fly under the radar sort of childhood scenario <laughs> where, like, no one knew where I was. No one really bothered to ask. Like, by the time I got to high school, I didn't, or by the time I could drive, at least, like, I didn't really have a curfew at all. Like, I could come and go as long as, like, my grades were fine. Yeah. So, um it was nice. Every once in a while, I was like, should I be hurt that no one cares where I am? <laughs> like, there would be times I'd come home and, like, everyone had, like, ordered out together and they're, like, enjoying this, like, <laughs> like happy, like, dinner. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Do you but, think, though, that this has kind of perfectly set you up for your New York crotchety- crotchetiness? You know what I mean? What so, do you like, mean? This, this being, like... I, str- like familiar but a stranger 
in <laughs> type of yes. setting is perfect for you for New York, right? Like because you want to kind of know people like in your building, like you, yeah. you want to like kind of recognize people at the coffee shop, but you also don't want to like be buddy buddy. You, you never know? want to make the fatal mistake of relying on another human. <laughs> yeah. I think that this like has been training for you, basically. <laughs> my my whole life has been leading up to this. Do you want to hear like, my oh, like, sure, uh, most recent crotchety thing? Oh, I, I would love to. <sighs> Katie, I I love checking out new places. Like coffee houses are a really easy thing to explore because they're cheap and affordable. And so like mm-hmm. I'll try out a different one. Like every time I commute to see which one I like the most or what they each have to offer. I swear to God, if you cannot <laughs> drop an accurate Yelp pin, you have oh, no. no business being like a proprietor <laughs> of a coffee shop or cafe. Because I cannot tell you how frustrating it is to be like, and I'm here. Nope, this is not the coffee house. And then like trying to like on my feed, think of some sort of way to like systematically explore the surrounding three blocks. Right. Well, and it's because it's <laughs> and it a happened, bunch like, of buildings. Four times consecutively. This oh. week, where I was like, and God damn it again, it's not here. <laughs> so, I, I, I forgive me because I'm mm-hmm. I'm really dumb with these things. Is is dropping a Yelp pin the same as like Google Maps? Yeah, it's just like our location is here. Oh, and they like the owner is just like it's kind, it's in this yeah, area. Like, thereabouts. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, that would be frustrating. So this happened to you several times and you just like gave up? You, like, you no, didn't... no. I, I, I should have been like, no, this would, I shouldn't have been like, I can't stand people who are like, well, they just lost one customer. You're like, it's fine. <laughs> um, but no, I looked around and I found them all eventually. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So now I so won't have were... to rely on the pin in the future, but mm-hmm. it's still annoying. Have you, have you found the magic one yet? Are you still the magic searching? Pin? Oh, Katie, or like that was pin number shop. one. Oh, that's a good yeah, sign. Yeah, it was a block further down. And it's just past my subway entrance, so there's no reason for me to, like, walk any further. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this on, on, on the air before, right? Yeah. Okay, Wait, then I won't go back into one. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I was just making sure that this is, like, Yeah, that still... one's been found. Okay. And I think All I was right. just particularly ir- irritable about it this week because we've had a sort of heat wave where it's been... In, like, the mid-90s all week, so I was like, mm-hmm. I am in dress clothes. <laughs> I am wearing <laughs> not comfortable loafers. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't want to walk around anymore. <laughs> right. So I'm I'm the exact opposite, where, like, if I find the good place, then I'm like, well, this is it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Always and forever. <laughs> yeah. Got my one sandwich that I like. I'm going to eat the sandwich for the rest of it. I mean, I do like I have like a friend explore, like that but... where I have been out to, like, lunch and dinners with him probably over a hundred times. I've known him for over a decade and I have almost never seen him stray from chicken Caesar salad or chicken Caesar (laughs) wrap. It is like every time. (laughs) So my brother um, at every restaurant growing up would order chicken nuggets, right? (laughs) Yeah, as we all did. uh, Yeah, of course. But this like lasted way too long. You know what I mean? So like Mm -hmm. he would be 17 and we'd be, you know, like at Red Lobster. <laughs> do they have nuggets at Red Lobster? Dude, they do. They have dino-shaped chicken nuggets at Red Lobster. Wait, yeah. are they just like thawing out the Purdue dinosaur ones? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but they, they have them. So, but it was just But it's chicken. Hilarious. It's not seafood. No, it is. I mean, who knows? But oh, I, I think it's... Point think it's chicken okay um so but yeah jake would just i mean consistently (laughs) any restaurant we would go to unless it was tex-mex and then he would order something different but um yeah he's all about those chicken nuggets Mm -hmm. (laughs) i haven't had chicken nugget in ages yeah no me neither i don't know if you can get like just a straight chicken nugget here in the city it would be like Like some artisan, like panko breaded, like air fried chicken nugget with the choice with of like rosemary. a lavender barbecue sauce or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. You should go find those. Yeah. Just like hop on the subway and go exploring. Oh, that's another, like, that's no, another crutchety thing. It's like, it is none of my business unless I like am affected by it. 
But do you have you noticed like when you've been up here that like every few subway rides you will get on a car with someone who refuses to hold on? Like they just want to try to balance the whole time. Yes, and, they and I have a story about this. Always fail at this. <laughs> sometimes they fall into you or others or just against the wall. But I was on the subway um, earlier this week and this man and woman were together and the, the gentleman would not hold on to anything. And finally, uh-huh. the woman who's with after like four stops turned around and was like, just hold on to something. <laughs> and I think the whole car like full of people was like, yes, we agree. <laughs> Because it kept so, being like, whoa, whoa, you know, and like ooh, being jerky, ooh. yeah. <laughs> In multiple ways being jerky, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. That Pun. works on different levels. Um, <laughs> so my first trip to New York, right, I don't know the codes. I am from Texas. I don't know the rules of subways, right? Mm-hmm. So I got on to this really crowded car, and this guy w- refused to hold on. And I was standing holding on to one of the poles in the middle. Mm-hmm. But um, he was like, I don't know if he was an actor or if he was just confused because he was legit like early 90s spike outfit, you know, like spiked collar, spiked jacket. Oh, I was thinking like, spike from Buffy. But you're saying no. like like two yeah. polos like layered and they're all pop collars, like something like that? Or you mean like hot, no. hot topic spikes? Hot topic spikes. Got like, it. Cannot go through a metal detector because everything is spiky. <laughs> yeah, it's and probably so, just painted plastic, but we yeah, don't need to know that. We don't care. But, like, so he would fall, and I'm, like, 10, <laughs> right? Like, wounded. Yes! He would, like, stumble into me with his jacket, and so, like, because I'm, you know, a 10-year-old and I'm short, like, he would just, like... His jacket spikes would hit me in the forehead, and it was oh. awful. This <laughs> and is... so I was like, this is what New York is like. <laughs> New York is pain. <laughs> Although you would, again, um, <laughs> injure your face <laughs> at a pivotal point in time, right? When you were riding quads right before you won. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Oh my gosh, Sam, this was awful. And also, I did not get what you meant by quads. Oh. We call them four-wheelers. Oh, so. that's so funny. Yeah, or ATVs, right? Oh, we, um, well, I guess we use those words too, but quads, is um, it's a big one up here in New Jersey at least. Dude, I've never heard it referred to like that, so <laughs> I, I've learned something. Cool. Um, yeah, so I used to, as a teenager... You know, in my like deep, like emotional upheavals of teen years, just drive my four wheeler around and around this field and think my deep thoughts. Um, Wait, you were alone? Yeah, I was usually, I mean, I would ride around with friends and stuff too. I just love the idea of like a pensive ATV outing. (laughs) (laughs) This seriously was was what it was. Um, Yeah, so I just need to be alone. Feel the wind in my hair. I just need to have my my own thoughts. Um, And we had this, like, gigantic, like, it was kind of the perfect ATV course because we had trails that would jet off into the woods, but then there was also this, like, pretty open field um, that we would ride around in. So, yeah, the the next night I was going to be – so this was when I was going to be sophomore princess – and that's basically like the homecoming queen equivalent for the sophomore grade. Um, so like my class voted and they were like, yeah, Katie's cool. So we're going to vote her as our, our princess. Um, just complete bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Um, and so I was, you know, I was very excited about this, right? As any yeah. 16, 17 year old girl would be. And um, so I had like a dress and I had like my hair all planned out, all of that. But the night before... I was like, I'm going to go think my deep thoughts um, on my four-wheeler. And I'm riding around, and my dog, um, at the time, her name's Vegas, she, for some reason, decided to run right out in front of my four-wheeler. And so I saw her, and I was like, oh, no. And I, of course, like, swerved to miss her. And (laughs) swerved right into a fucking tree. But I was going pretty fast, and so... The four-wheeler stops 
um, hits the tree, but my body decides oh. to like fly through the air. I like how in in this story, my body like has agency, and it's like I'm <laughs> it's gonna decided. fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes and decides to slide across basically another tree, so that. I just like I don't break anything, but I just scrape my entire face. Like it scraped it slant wise. And it was disgusting. You know what I mean? Like it immediately mm-hmm. like, like scabbed oh, up. Essentially. This is not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it wasn't like there were no deep cuts, so it didn't look cool at all. Like there's nothing deep about it. It's just like I'm all scratched up on my face and on my arms and everything. Um, and so the next night I had to go in front of the entire town and walk out on the football field with this giant scab on my face and I was mortified like it's a whole thing dude like your dad walks you out on the field and you know like like the, they announce you and there's like a prince too you know so like the prince is all like uh, the prince who was named uh it still is named Jordan Sloggett <laughs> Uh, he was just like, man, this is this is a raw deal for me. I'm like out on the field with this ugly girl. <laughs> Her face all jacked up. Well, that's so, like when I was a kid, one of my best friends, they bought the piece of land right next to their house and built a new house. And so mm-hmm. we would go and play. The kid did? Well, no, his family did. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but we would play on the construction site, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was a couple of years they were building the house. They would have these big piles of, like, dirt that we'd run up and down. And I was, like, maybe 12. And I was running down, and I lost my footing and fell and threw my hands out. And because there's Mm -hmm. also, like, gravel and crap in there, I, like, really scraped up my palms, like, really badly to the point where they'd scabbed up. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) cut to, like, two days later, when we have to go to, like, you know, church. And it was, like, sort of formal in those times, so like when you were like a young boy, you had to like shake the hands of all the men like you encountered, yeah. and so everyone just <laughs> would go to shake my hand and then just react in revulsion. And they're of like, course. "What am I feeling?" <laughs> I would not have. Sh- uh, no, like, I should have just hand. spared everyone. Ugh, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really gross. Oh man, construction sites though, the best playground for oh, children. Yeah. I, I feel like if I ever have kids, I'm going to just, like, have a continuous, like, derelict construction site somewhere <laughs> that they can just get hurt on. They've got to learn. Right, and for them so. also to, like, put other children to work. Yeah, exactly. Moving dirt from one side of the field to another. It's very Kafka-esque. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, well, maybe it's good that we brought up Texas because that's a nice like transition into this week's movie. Sure, yeah. Where Texas said, <clears throat> cult classic, so much so that Criterion Collection has released a new edition of it. Mm-hmm. That's 1984's Repo Man. Repo Man! And Katie, I have to say, like, it opens by with a map of Texas telling us that that's where it takes place. And for like the first 20 minutes or half hour, I was like, are we in like a dystopian 80s or is this just Texas? Like I've never been. <laughs> so I didn't even catch that it, I mean, I, I saw the map. Yeah. I thought they were like in New Mexico or something. Oh, were they? I I think they're like in Cal, like I, dude, I don't know. I think that the car with the aliens is coming from New Mexico Either to Texas or to California. Okay. And so, um, <laughs> I know, like, this is already, this establishes the, the fucking tone for this movie. Because it's so confusing. Uh, delightfully so, but it is, like, Alex Cox wants to fuck with all of our preconceptions about... Oh, you know what, you're right. What? It's set um, <laughs> in the Mojave Desert. Okay, outside of okay. Outside Goffs, California. You're right. So, and the reason I thought that... Because there's, so it's unclear whether this is a time travel movie, an alien movie, <laughs> a nuclear fallout movie. Uh, yeah, and so, it's... like, part of the, the the myth is that I think, like, he's coming from the crazy guy in the car, the crazy Chevy Malibu, is coming from, like, a nuclear reactive 
area. Okay. Or like a UFO heavy area, which would again be New Mexico. Oh, like Area 51. Yeah. So that's what, that was my reading of that. But Katie, what um, if by the end of this conversation, this movie makes complete sense? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would be surprising. I would be really impressed with our (laughs) on the fly analytical skills. But um, so yeah, Repo Man all over the fucking place. And what we're going to do today is try to like kind of parse out at least some of the things yeah. and, and figure out like what we what we found most evocative. So, well, for example, this is to me a highly philosophical film. That yeah. that was my reading of it. Okay, I want to start uh, from a different place. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, no, no just, don't like, apologize at all. Set us up for that. <laughs> Katie, never apologize. Um, I'll, I'll come back to it though. Don't, oh yeah. Don't you worry. No, no, you'll see where I'm going. Um, so I just want to jump back to episode 3.1 where you said that um, what you're going to find most difficult about these movies uh, is containing your lust for all the protagonists. <laughs> <laughs> so where would Emilio Estevez oh, man. <laughs> sit on this? He's, oh, man. He's high up on that list. He's so, I mean, okay. Here's the thing. I He's very, like, short and stocky and, like, I fell in love with him, obviously, from The Breakfast Club. Oh, like, we all did. I was about to right? be like, The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> that is, like, Little my older. Emilio Estevez touch point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know those movies very well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, for me, definitely The Breakfast Club, where he plays, like, you know, this kind of dumb jock, and but he's, like, ah, he's super hot uh, in that. And in this one... In Repo Man, we've got this new layer where he's just like this completely, like, he's just such an asshole, right? Like, there's no, like, he just wants to, like, encourage destruction or get a blowjob or something like that. Uh, Resuscitate. All about it. A phrase that is no longer acceptable to use, Mm -hmm. but was certainly acceptable in the era in which this film was made. Kitty, he is, like, truly. He epitomizes like the punk ass bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I found him so loathsome. Like, I just wanted to go into the movie, just punch him. He was so oh, yeah. irritating. Oh yeah, but like in a so this is where we differ, right? Because like for me, like he's a punk ass bitch, but in a super hot way. Uh, like I just want to like change him, you know? I just I want to do he's that like pathetic woman thing. Yeah, like the, the horrible thing oh, that Katie, women no. say, where they're like, "Oh, I can fix him." Yeah. I just want to go in there and be like, "Look, you can, you can go back to school, and like you know, stop hanging out with Harry Dean Stanton because he's a bad no, influence I on you, man." Would love to hang out with Harry Dean Stanton. All right. Oh, yeah. That man is a legend, and he's the especially best thing about this movie. Especially in this movie. Well, especially in this movie. He's just, like, hardcore. He's got, like, this, you know, single-minded goal, but he's also got a vendetta against the Rodriguez brothers, yeah. which is hilarious yes. because it's this. So yeah, we just should, to set yeah, us yeah, up. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton and a few others are repo men. Uh, so they, you know, obviously go and get cars that need to be repossessed, and then yeah, they get a commission off of People have defaulted on payments, so they're legally allowed to go take the cars back. Right. And so that, you know, produces all sorts of shenanigans and violence, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> in this town, there's another group of repo men, and they're the Rodriguez brothers. Um, Wait. And, oh, yeah. go on. Wait, are you confused? I don't think they are repo men. But they're looking for a car. No, no. I think Harry Dean Stanton wants their car. Oh. And he can never catch them. Oh, maybe. Because I want to come back to that, though. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's, maybe. Yeah, let's parse that out as we go, because I could be wrong, too. Sure. But In any at any case, they they are enemies, right? And so it's this hilarious situation where you've got Harry Dean Stanton's character, Bud, who's, you know... Like, he's not a threatening-looking figure at all, right? Like, in no scenario can Harry Dean Stanton play, like, a threatening guy. Mm-hmm. And so he's going up oh, against... Big Love. I've not seen Big Love. I don't know. I don't know. Is he is he evil in that? You have 100% seen Big Love. 
Oh yeah. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I yes, like, I have. He's the evil many, Mormon dad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. An I'm sorry. Discussing this, he has oh, come up shit. so many times. He might have been name reference referenced by name more than David Lynch on this podcast, which is hilarious. More than Billy Zane. It's wholly unintentional. <laughs> he just isn't everything. Yeah. He is, and I mean, he's so good. Um, you're right, though. He is <laughs> hardcore in Big Love. I was like, that's a movie I have not seen. <laughs> but that um, was like the time I was like, Katie, you have seen Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> and I would not believe you that you hadn't seen it. And I was like, oh, no, did I just do it again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen Big Love. Okay, so what was what was oh, I saying? So we should say, too, <laughs> our protagonist, though, is Emilio Estevez's character. And yes. there's like, we just, there's a brief turn of events that like has him come into contact with Harry Dean Stanton. So this is where mm-hmm. we're like, it's really difficult. It's definitely like, uh, oh, what's the word? It's like satirical or a bit over the top. I can't tell if it's supposed to be dystopian or just like a sort of over the top rendering of like the 80s. But like mm-hmm. he's working in, Emilio Estevez is working in this supermarket where like there are no brand names anymore. There's just labels, yeah. like generic labels where every box and can just says food on it. Um, yeah, or drink. Or drink, <laughs> yeah. And he gets in trouble with his manager because he hasn't been turning all the cans to face the same way. And Emilio Estevez is too cool for all of this. Um, He's tired of being a sellout, so he quits and he gets his friend fired. His friend Louis fired as well. So then they blow off steam by throwing a big party at Louis's house, which was hilarious. Um, Um, Also, so this guy, this poor friend of his. I know. Like, worst friendship ever. Ever. Well, Worst friendship, friendship ever. And friendship that just disappears after, like, the first half hour, right? Yeah. Well, did you notice him, though? He got another job as, like, a TV repairman. Did you notice that brief oh, no. moment? Yeah, so... Katie, I was, like, okay. in and out with this movie, so... Yeah. So there's a moment where... So this guy, his friend, um, like, disappears, but then there's a moment where... Uh, Emilio Estevez's character, Otto, we should say oh, his name Otto, is Otto right. in the film. Uh, Sounds like Otto. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So Otto convinces his fellow repo men that the guy who beat him up is his former boss, That's the guy right. who fired him. Mm-hmm. And so his former boss opens the door, and you see his friend in the background fixing a TV. Oh. Yeah. Yep. I didn't put that together. And poor Lewis, like, Lewis really is just, like, if Otto is raging against, like, that 80s moment that the film is trying to, like, critique, like, Lewis Mm -hmm. accepts it, and he adjusts his vision and ambitions accordingly. So they are, like, sitting, after they've both been fired, you know, Otto's saying he wants something more than all of this, and Lewis says, like, I'm really going to try and get a job as a fry cook, because I think I could really work hard and work my way up to being manager, and then I will really have arrived. And meanwhile, Mm -hmm. like, everyone at the party is, like, trashing his parents' house, and he's just being (laughs) screwed over left and right. And so he's this, like, proper foil, right, for for Otto. And then after this party, Otto is walking down the street, and who pulls up next to him but Harry Dean Stanton and tricks him into repossessing uh, another car. So, Sam, before we move on, yeah. can I just do, like, that really annoying thing? Please. Um, so, I don't know where you got the name Lewis from. Oh, no. Did I do it again? <laughs> this is, like, every is totally episode. totally fucking Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I maybe like, I'm just naming first, people myself as I watch. At first, I was like, I'm just going to let this slide. But, like, you kept saying I heard Lewis. you typing, too. Did you just check IMDb? Fuck yeah, I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I don't want to be the asshole that's wrong about this. But I'm pretty sure his name's Kevin. This is, like, the fourth or fifth time I've just made up a name for someone. I know. I don't know. <laughs> he will always be Lewis in my heart. I, Lewis feels fitting, though. I yeah. feel like that's that's a that's a good name for him, but it is it is Kevin. <laughs> All right, good to know. I'm just gonna do a quick okay. find and replace in my notes. And... Okay. Um. So, but you've set us up beautifully, right? To when Otto joins Bud and becomes eventually a repo man, uh, and so he joins this kind of group of just uh, rough just around a the edges, ragtag group. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're all named after beers, which is yep. just a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's uh, Bud, Harry Dean Stanton's character. There's Light, who advocates, like, carrying around a gun <laughs> yep. with blinks. Um, there's also Miller, who doesn't know how to drive and seems more like a kind of like a maintenance semi-homeless guy that's hanging it's, around it's the lot. It's a real mystery, yeah. Yeah, Miller is strange. He laughs a lot. Yeah, he's sweet. Then there's like, like the Renicop who's just like crocheting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember what his name no, is, neither. but he's an asshole. And then what's um, the secretary's name? <laughs> Marlene. Marlene. I like Marlene. Mm-hmm. Marlene's a badass. Oh man, yo. I wrote that was like my one of my bigger notes for the second half of the movie was like I'm really pleased to see that she got an expanded role as this movie goes on. Yes. <laughs> but did you notice that surprisingly so weird yeah. like continuity gaff? I don't even know if I can take a screenshot to put it on show notes because I don't know if it'll make sense. But mm-hmm. um, Otto's reaction to being tricked into being a Repo Man is like disgust. He's like I would never be a Repo Man. Like it's sort of again like the sort of like sellout reaction. Right? right, that like I don't want to be a sellout. Whatever, he's he's too cool for this. And then he's and then Marlene um, hands him money and says, "Too late, you already are," because technically he's returned a car. And uh-huh. when the camera is on Marlene and Marlene's hand reaching out to hand him the money, Emilio Estevez's hand reaches into the frame and takes it. But then we cut to Emilio Estevez and he just stands there thinking about it for a while and then reaches out and takes it. <laughs> and it was like one of the most like explicit continuity gaps I've ever seen. I couldn't believe oh, I it made see. it into the movie. Yeah. Okay. I did not notice that. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, I before I you know started this episode, I clearly did a lot of research. So I looked at the IMBD's like trivia thing and I don't ever read them, but there were a lot of goofs listed. Oh, under nice. There, so, That's probably one of yeah. many. <laughs> I think it's just, it's not careful editing uh, is part of the problem. Um, also, so the fabled uh, Chevy Malibu that everyone's searching for, uh, the original in the movie got stolen. Oh, I read this. <laughs> and so they had so to they buy had another to... one. Yeah. <laughs> well, so talk, just... let's talk about the Chevy Malibu because this is something yes. that also then eventually intersects with uh, with Otto and Bud. Right. So, um they get this, the repo men get this notification that there is a Chevy Malibu out there, <clears throat> excuse me, worth $20,000, like as commission, right? Mm-hmm. So if you find this, you get 20 grand. Um, and this guy with an eye patch is driving it around. And actually, he, he is the very first scene yeah. in the movie because he's driving, let's say, from New Mexico to Cali. And this cop pulls him over. And he's like, what's in the trunk? Uh, and the guy's like, oh, you don't want to look in the trunk? And the cop does, and it evaporates him, right? There's yeah. this glowing light. There's something really strange in this trunk. Um, and, uh, like, we find out that it's, like, probably aliens or something like that, right? So um, this kind of sets us up for multiple ways in which this car, like, fucking shows up in random places and then escapes mm-hmm. or like somebody else takes it but then like they lose it the most hilarious one i think in the whole film the rodriguez brothers at one point obtain the chevy malibu okay right. and they they're like man it's really hot in this car they have not looked in the trunk by the way uh and they're like man it's really hot in this car let's get a drink and so one of them <laughs> goes inside to get a soda and the other like uses the phone a phone booth and both are just like not looking at the car at all. Yeah, right. And then it gets stolen. So it's just like hilarious how this car is just like it's almost slapstick, right? Oh, like a hundred percent. How many people end up driving it around? Well, and this car is and in demand, right? Because then there is like a weird government sect that is also following the trail of like <laughs> bodily disintegrations from you know. Mm-hmm. In- resulting from encounters with the trunk trying to find this also sam so i will i'm gonna make an argument that this is one of the funnier aspects of this film which is the like really inane things that the government employees say so like inane things that everyone says 
Well, yeah, but, like, it's, I don't know, it's especially noticeable for me, the guys that are in, like, the hazmat suits who are just like, yep, this is a dead body, you (laughs) know, and they say, like, the most stupid things that in the context of, you know, being like, oh, gee, like, this body is heavy, or where's the rest of him, you know, it's just, it's hilarious, I don't know, it just really worked for me, where... I would, like, have to, like, I, I rewatched a few of those quick moments, actually, where the hazmat guys are just like, oh, no, I've never seen this before. Um, I don't know. No, so I'm that's with you. Why. I think I noticed it most, though, with um, Emilio, or Otto's former friends, so or former, like, gang members. Yes, so, let's do crimes. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I wrote down. He said, let's do crimes. And then at another point, he gets in a fight with uh, the friend does. I forget his name. He gets in a fight with another gang member and goes, you're not in the gang anymore. And then he storms <laughs> off and goes, let's go get sushi and not pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> But so, yeah, then there are the gang member friends who are in this movie who intersect. And then the last piece of the puzzle is um, Otto's sort of girlfriend slash love interest who Mm -hmm. she is trying to she's um, ostensibly has uncovered an alien conspiracy and knows that it has to do with this car. But is also Mm -hmm. we find out working in tandem sort of with this government agency. Right. Yeah. So Lila is she's like part of the. Uh, their front is the United Fruit Cr- Fruit Cake Operation, the UFO, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like ostensibly where she works. But you're right; she's also at one point responsible for, like, in her role as working working with the government or with this secret agency, um, responsible for torturing Otto. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of different characters and like loosely related plot lines kind of converging on this particular car, right? Yeah. Um, None of it so. terribly successful. <laughs> like, no. Did you like no. this movie? I loved this movie. Are you serious? I loved it, no. dude. Yes. I, I'm sorry. No, I just, don't like, apologize. Ah, it's, I loved the craziness of it. So I I don't know. I'm, I'm finding that... Uh, I'm, I have a growing appreciation for ambiguity and illogic in film <laughs> and things like that. So I don't know. I appreciated its kind of numerous gaffes on other genres and other films. And Yeah. Yeah. Emilio Estevez, man. <laughs> was not on board for Emilio Estevez in this movie. <laughs> um, I just thought, like, the satire to me was, like, pitched at such a weird level that, like, it wasn't quite realistic, obviously, but it also wasn't like exaggerated enough or or savvy enough to be really satire to me. And so it was just in this weird, like no man's land. And yeah, I just, um, I kept like wanting it to be over. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the thing is, I just found it. Maybe you're right though. Maybe it is just that like something about like this came up a lot with David Lynch, right? This is someone who is not a trained filmmaker. And to Mm -hmm. some people like, his to some people his movies are a product of genius and to some to others like it's pure amateurism and i mm-hmm. happen to fall closer to the genius side with him but this was a case in which all of the choices to me didn't feel creative or intentional they just felt like symptomatic of an amateur filmmaker sure i mean it does it comes across as cheap right as yeah. cheaply made um or just like cheaply I mean, not thought out, right? Like, or some parts of it come across as, like, this is a weird transition, or there's no, like, this character has no, it's not a round character at all, right? So, like, Otto's character is definitely a flat character, even though he's the protagonist, (laughs) right? His defining characteristic is that he, like, frequently takes his pants off. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, And then early on, too, like, definitely there was, like, a choice where the director's, like, should we make this a musical? And like Otto sings for like one scene and he's like, no. And no mm-hmm. one sings again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emilio Estevez cannot pull it off. Was that um, great? <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't good. I also, so, you know, if we're looking at kind of like the director model, of, like a, approach to this film, I appreciate it because I, I like um, another Alex Cox movie that I've seen, oh. which is an adaptation of The Revengers Tragedy. What's it called? Uh, so it's called the the Avenger the Revengers tragedy. Oh, I've never heard of it. It stars um, Eddie Lizard. Eddie Izzard. And Izzard, sorry, not Lizard. Did I say Lizard? It's okay. Eddie Lizard. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, dude, I've lost. No, it no, now. go on. 
I just love directors who will take risks with, say, an early modern play and do a filmic version. That's a great point. With a guy whose last name is not Lizard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's also he also did Sid and Nancy, right? And I've never seen it. Yeah. But I know a lot of people love either. that movie. Yeah. So I don't know. I just appreciate. I appreciate the 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 Alex Cox approach. I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. I would be open to other films to see where he went from here. I guess. Yeah, I dude, say. you should check out Revenger's Tragedy. I will. Do it. Well, can All I tell right. you what I do find interesting about this movie? Yeah. I think it's really interesting to think about. I mean, this is a movie that is like ostensibly economically minded, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to put it side by side to me with Terminator. Like, that's what I've been thinking about most since having watched the movie. That Terminator, we didn't talk about this last week, but it is. You know, we talked about different ways in which it is a product of the 80s, but one way that we didn't talk about was that it's also, like, very much responding to, like, the, the economics of the 80s, right? That one, the primary way that Linda Hamilton is characterized early on is that she's not a good worker and she is fairly inefficient at her job. And the rest mm-hmm. of the movie is her trying to outrun a foreigner... <laughs> who is incredibly <laughs> efficient at his job. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I just don't think sure. it's a coincidence that, like, the movie, of like, takes her all the way back, ultimately, to uh, an American factory. Like, that's where she finally defeats him, mm-hmm. right? And like, we can say foreigner because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. We can also say a machine, right? Just the mechanization of work, too. But she yeah. goes back to a factory, You know, and American factories are themselves sort of just like relics of like a pre-globalized U.S. economy, right? And so Mm -hmm. there is this sort of fantasy, right, of moving backwards and just like moving away from a globalized economy, from like uh, a growing, like increasingly mechanized like economy, right, to a place where you can just like have the safety and assurance of a job, of employment. Right. Good old work with your hands. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, jobs to go around, etc. Um, this one is so interesting to me because the movie keeps trying to make itself about work, right? And about mm-hmm. the economy, right? It opens in a world in which, like, jobs are very scarce and, like, losing your job is a big deal. But no one in the movie is actually at all concerned about money, you know, like, yeah, sure. like, Bud wants the $20,000, but Emilio Estevez never seems that concerned about where his money's coming from. Instead, like, the bigger concern regarding employment or revolving around employment is, like, one that has to do with, like, aesthetic compromises, right? Of, like, selling out, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, of, like, giving something up stylistically. And I think, like, but, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think the, I, I'm buying what you're saying, uh, except for this early scene where he asks for money from his parents, <laughs> yeah. who have given it all away to a televangelist, yeah. right? And so I, w- I actually was really curious about your reading of this kind of religious discourse also. I don't want to derail us from the econ talk, but it seems kind of enfolded, right? So there is this moment where um, Otto's like, you know, can I have some money to to travel and of course he's gonna just blow it all on like you know beer Mm -hmm. but um his parents have you know been kind of indoctrinated to give it away and you hear the televangelist be like god wants you to sell your car and i don't know I, it, i created this kind of weird dissonance for me so I well, I like partially agree with you, but well, so I guess I would I say know. like that. In when you look at eighties like history, political and economic history, it is like inevitably a religious conversation as well because you think about like the moral majority's like um, ability to mobilize the Christian right and like really get them to vote uh, to become like to self-identify as definitively conservative and to vote for Reagan. Um, and sure. So it's very much like a coalition, and that like religion. Um, and religious leadership gets reframed sort of as both uh, an industry of like converting souls and of making money. Mm-hmm. But I guess like what I'm trying to get at, I, I think ultimately with the sort of like aesthetic compromise sort of argument is just that 
we watch Emilio Estevez sort of transform, right? So Harry Dean Stanton or Bud tells him, like, you dress like a cop or something because then you can get closer to cars without someone being suspicious. And what that really means is that he dresses in a suit. And so all of a sudden, Otto is wearing a suit and he's sitting at a desk in the Repo Man's like uh, storefront and the desk mm-hmm. says like manager, right? Like, so somehow he is being like lulled or seduced into like middle management. And yeah. He and is, he loses the earring. Yeah. And he's like threatening. There's like this threat that he's going to now settle down with Lila, right? And that he's becoming very normal. And I think the way the movie gets around it is by suggesting... Is by like the movie's logic and Emilio Estevez's logic are the same. It's that it is okay for Emilio Estevez to don um, that outfit as long as he doesn't really mean it, right? Mm-hmm. As long as he does it ironically, and it is okay for the movie to use um, really cliched lines because it's not because it's do, it's it's utilizing them ironically, right? And so like right. this is a movie sort of that's sort of like historicizing the birth of like irony. But it's also like a failed one, right? Because the pivotal scene, this brings us back to the Menendez brothers, for me, is when Bud... Wait, are they the Mendez... Men- wait, Wait, what are the names? Name? Rodriguez? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Where do you, I don't what know. are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> it's in my notes, too. All right. Let's... All right, the Rodriguez brothers. I mean, you might be right in this case. I don't we'll know. We'll say but... Rodriguez. No need to pull up okay. IMDb again. Okay, okay. Is that Bud finally, finally catches up with them and wants to list, like, fuck up their car. And it turns out that, like, he cannot touch their car because mm-hmm. they... And I got the sense that he can't repossess it either because they said they finally paid it off and they got insurance. Right. So, like, it doesn't matter... Like, whatever your attitude is, or however ironically you're, like, wearing these suits or doing whatever, they're ultimately, like, still beholden to these, like, economic rules, and they're still very much, like, trapped in this, like, infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, no, I, I I agree with you. I think this, this movie that is much more... was very long-winded. More... I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's much more concerned with <clears throat> kind of... Uh, maybe you're right. Like, maybe I didn't pick up on this so much because the irony or the humor of it kind of falls flat and fails at certain points, or it requires rewatching with a particular lens, right? So that, like, I did, I was concentrating on, like, the hazmat guys. (laughs) Well, but even (laughs) think about the ending, right? So the ending is that everyone finds the alien car at the same time, but it's Emilio Estevez who gets into it. And it's like, as a repo man, because he's like, this is mm-hmm. wild. And the guy's driving with is like, when you're a repo man, everything's wild or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And like, as he's getting in, Lila's like, it was supposed to be us. And he ditches her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. Well, she sucks, Oh, though. she's the worst. But yeah. like, then all of a sudden, like, th- being a repo man is okay because it's no longer a job that's going to, like, force you into, like, conformity. Rather, it's a job that's going to supply you with, like, an alibi so that you can, like, resist and perpetually avoid conformity or growing up. To do crimes. Yeah. I mean, because that's that's basically what Bud and Otto do all the time is either... I mean, they're breaking into cars to repossess them, but they're also getting drunk constantly. They're doing speed constantly. Uh, They're, you know, like, getting into fights. Like, it's clearly a very non-conformist job (laughs) where you know like they're just like everything's intense right and it's trying to convey this idea um that being a repo man somehow transcends that but at the same time the movie kind of counters that with a lot of scenes of them just like sitting around you know (laughs) so it's this weird mix it's not i wouldn't characterize this this movie as like fast-paced right there are like (laughs) intense scenes (laughs) But there's a lot of, like, downtime or just, like, you know, Otto visiting the horrible Lila being like, hey, I'm free. Like, give me a blowjob, you know. Um, And I, (laughs) this was so weird to me. Can we talk about, like, what is happening with this relationship or lack thereof? Because this, it's, I don't get it. It's a mystery. So he, she's running. She's, like, running from these guys Otto picks her up in a car that he's repossessed, and he's trying to impress her. 
he drops her off at work, and he's like, hey, do you want to hang out again? And she's like, nah, I don't think so. And he's like, and he's oh, like, well, do you want to do it in my car instead? <laughs> no, she says oh, that. Yeah. That's what's interesting. That, you're right, you're he's right. He's like, well, fuck you. And she's like, well, do you want to, like, have sex in your car? And they have sex. And then in another scene. Like, if a guy tells you, like, when you don't want to hang out with someone and they say fuck you, like, it is not incumbent upon you to then try to win back their good favor. You I know. know. <laughs> well, yeah, so this happens again, too. This is why this is, just seems so problematic is because, or is because, I hate what people say No, you're that. fine. Uh, uh, because when he visits her at her job, he takes off his pants and he's like, I at <laughs> yeah. least could get a blowjob. And she slaps him. But then a coworker comes in and is like, you're running late for a meeting. And then they, like, it's it's implied that they then have sex. No. So it's just like, oh, girl, what is up with you? Uh, and he ultimately rejects her. So there's, like, no valuation, valuation of this relationship or that particular character whatsoever. Like, she's just pathetic, right? She's just, it's sad. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's sort of funny, talk- too. Like, yeah, she is a source of pleasure and nothing more. Like, he does not have any mm-hmm. obligations to her. And it's sort of mirrored in a weird way with the two gang members who are also, like, a couple. That mm-hmm. uh, I don't know their names. It's just, like, a man and a woman. And it's really funny that they are going to rob a convenience store. And they are sitting in the car beforehand. And the guy says to the woman, he's like, what are we doing all this for? I just think, like, we need to think about, like, settling down and having a kid. And it is, like, yeah. in that robbery, then, that he is immediately killed. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. that, like... He... And the female gang member does not give a shit. No. Like, she's just like, eh, whatevs. Yeah, I liked her a lot more <laughs> than I liked Lila. <laughs> That's fair. So, in this context of female characters, we should talk more about Marlene, right? Marlene! Well, she comes yes. to the fore, too, when um, Harry Dean Stanton... Bud is hospitalized, and they have to go find him in the hospital and rescue him before the uh, UFOs get to him. Mm-hmm. That's all. Continue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so it's, it's confusing because suddenly Marlene is with the Rodriguez brothers. We, we're not sure if she's been with, like, hanging out with them the entire time or if this is a new association. I don't know. How did you read that? I just love the suggestion of the reminder. Like, Marlene's got a life outside of this job. Yeah. She's not living for that paycheck, you know? like That's true. Uh, and so then, so they go to, I guess, it's not clear. Are they rescuing Bud or are they just, like, going to talk to him? It's really unclear. I thought they were trying to rescue him or maybe, like, it seemed that Otto, at the very least, like, this is, like, a, a sort of anomalous moment in the film because it's the one time he feels real guilt. Because mm-hmm. he has this heartfelt apology to Bud. But my question is, like, to get into that hospital floor, they need a doctor and nurse's outfit? Yes. We, did they kill <laughs> that doctor like, and nurse? I don't know. Because we just I have see no them, idea. like, follow a doctor and nurse into a room and then leave with their clothes on, and the two bodies are just collapsed on the floor. Yeah. I don't and know. I would like to think upsetting. that Marlene did some, like, jujitsu. Uh, to, you know, like, it. just knock them out, basically. Because, I mean, we've already seen her fight. Yeah. We've seen her kick ass. So clearly she has hidden depths, hidden skills. Um, but this whole gag is really funny because they, like, <laughs> essentially put, like, don these outfits and um, wear them for, like, one second to walk, like, two feet into Harry Dean Stanton's room. <laughs> and, like, that was it, right? Like, this whole setup... Just yep. for them to, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, Marlene, uh, and, like, she's involved in car chases, and she's shooting at people, and just, like, it's this hardcore badass, uh, which I really just, it kind of, I don't know, it, it was the cherry on top of this movie for me. It was really good. Okay. Yeah. So, so Sam, yeah. can we, can I return to my original kind of claim oh, yeah. or just provocation i suppose on what this movie i think is doing with kind of philosophical statements yeah, please. so did you did you notice this right that there's uh bud has the repo man code light has been reading this book called like diuretics or something dianetics yeah um, well that's the uh, scientology book 
Yes, yes. Um, and <laughs> Diuretics um, would be a very different movie. <laughs> yes, sorry. No, no. Apologies. Uh, how many things have I mispronounced? Well, I just in this called episode? them the Menendez brothers and Lewis. So <laughs> yeah, okay, we're on equal yep. footing here. So, so there's those. Um, you've also got then like the UFO enthusiasts, their kind of own approach, um, and then you have at the end this really weird moment with Miller, right? Um, who's articulating kind of the uncanniness of the situation, but also just fully accepting it and driving off in this car. So he's, I mean, this moment where he's at the very end, he gets into the car behind the driver's wheel and he said, like, Otto's like, Miller, you can't even drive. And he's like, I can this time or something or like that. I think he that, says, I'm right? not going to. Oh, does he say? Yeah, because then he that's the I'm sign that that's the sign that Emilio Estevez has to join him. Mm. Okay, I'm sorry to no, have no, keep misinterpreted going. that. Um, so I don't know. It's just it was kind of heavy-handed, almost this constant. You also have the televangelist, right? This conflict, this constant like tugging of these different, ultimately meaningless philosophical or scientific paradigms. Or, I mean, yeah, or ultimately like political ones, right? And there's nothing like, yeah. there is only one UFO car and there's nothing like resource scarcity to like force us to really have to revise <laughs> like, well, what does it mean to have people with very different political ideals having to share the same space and resources? Sure. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, um, Otto su- supposedly learns from Bud this kind of code, right? This code of ethics that he immediately transgresses when transgresses when he's hanging out with Light mm-hmm. or when he's on his own, and so. And then later, Bud is kind of angry at Otto. He's like, "I thought I had something to teach you," and I think that's I don't know. That was my biggest takeaway was the kind of flatness or paucity of any sort of framework. Um, call it ethical, call oh, it yeah. philosophical, or even economic, right? To actually hold ground. But I guess too, in this like movie. that's sort of like what I was thinking through with like the irony too. Is like maybe to marry the two points is like it is a very much like a nihilistic film, right? In which yeah, like yeah. anything can be donned, like taken on or take or taken back off because it's ultimately just like surface facade anyway. It's all hollow. Sure. Yeah. Man, I'm depressed now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know what? It's also depressing is that there were no good reviews or Reddit posts about this. No. Movie, yeah. So what I yes. did instead was just googled like or Reddited um, about Emilio Estevez, and I found one delightful piece of trivia. And that's yes. that when Emilio Estevez got a Twitter account, he had to issue a formal statement requesting that his fans would stop tweeting him quack. Quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> He's like, I'm a fucking serious actor yeah, and I filmmaker, come from a <laughs> renowned family of actors, producers. Cut it out, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, Listen, it's a rousing man. scene and Isn't a very so formative weird? one for my childhood. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that was. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually really to funny say thinking that. about like the movies I've cited um, in this podcast. That having watched a lot as a kid, it's like this and Sister Act Two are both about like powerless people speaking truth to power, but through very strange means. Like in one, you quack; the other, you sing. <laughs> like there's no just like real political action. <laughs> I'm also thinking of your like love of Wizard of Oz, right? Or your forced viewing of Wizard of Oz. <laughs> we watched that movie many times. <laughs> Yeah, that's just throwing water on people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well. (laughs) Much like you've been doing with your friends, apparently, this summer. (laughs) 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 Well, Emilio Estevez, you will always hold a place in my heart. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. Like Forrest Gump. Emilio Estevez, I I will never forgive you for not returning for D3. He had a cameo. What was he doing yeah. that he couldn't show up for that? Uh, Nothing. I don't know. Nothing. Yeah. Can I, can I, I just mentioned Forrest Gump. Yeah. Can I <laughs> tell the story? I thought this was hilarious. So this morning you texted me 
And you were like, hey, I could do like, I, we could record at like 11. Yeah. But I was still asleep. And so when I woke up, <laughs> I texted you saying, sorry, I was just like Jenny in Forest of Gump. <laughs> and and like, then as I sent that, that I was like, oh, no, there are like, like way too many yeah. things that she does in that movie. <laughs> I meant just that she's sleeping a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get AIDS. You were not no. in like an abusive situation with your father. No, I didn't, you know, You're have not protesting Haley Joel Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah, like, man. so my sister got married a year ago, last June, and uh, mm-hmm. their best man, which is um, the groom's good friend, decided he was going to wing it, the the toast, and he decided oh, no. to liken them to the central couple of Forrest Gump, and then he kept <laughs> referring to my sister as Jenny, and then it finally dawned on him, like, just how dark her path gets, and he's yeah. like, oh, but not in this way. And not in this and way not either. In that way. Or this way. <laughs> <laughs> not the best couple to compare. Yeah, she didn't to. appreciate the comparison. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, sometimes, uh, I, just to annoy Ryan, like, I'll compare him to Forrest Gump, you know, where I'm like, I may not be a smart man, <laughs> but I know what uh, love is. Yeah. You can sit here if so. you want. actually that's the one i use most often whenever someone is about to sit next to me i think i either think in my head or if i know them i actually say can't sit here (laughs) it's my favorite my favorite Uh, that's like it's it's karma this is why you have not been invited into conversations now (laughs) (laughs) basically at Two separate parties. That was like, hey, can I what sit happened down? to me. No, <laughs> can't sit here. <laughs> uh, oh no. All right. Okay. So, Katie. So, oh, do you want to go ahead? Well, I was just gonna say, Repo Man, a messy movie mm-hmm. that yes. Sam is not crazy about. Katie enjoys for the fact that Emilio Estevez is in it, and um. We'll just, I guess we'll leave it at that. Like, kind of like the movie itself. I really, though, want it's someone who ambiguous. loves this movie to email us theobsessiondigression at gmail.com. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like I said at the at the front of this, like, Criterion Collection just reissued this. Like, so right. it is clearly beloved to some people. And I'm just so interested to know, understand why. Right, exactly. Yeah, so let us know your opinions. Emilio Estevez, if you're out there. Oh, yeah. Tell us, tell us your thoughts. Straight the horse's mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love the fact, like, if Emilio Estevez just was like, hey, guys, so, just so you know, this is what I thought of a, a repo man. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be the coolest oh, yeah. day. Ah. Anyway, Sam, what are you obsessed with this week? Um. So I am going to try to undertake this, like, I was going to refer to it as, like, a discipline, but it's really not. Um, I just realized that, like, I, you know, you and I both watch a lot of TV, but I found that, like, I have watched the shows that are, like, must-see shows that I feel like really are just amazing television that's demanding and that challenges me, and now I'm just sort of watching things to watch TV, and it's very, like, oh, mindless, no. and I'm not even really paying attention, and I was like, what am I doing? So yeah. I've also, in tandem, have said a lot too many people uh, over the last year or two that I can't really watch movies anymore because I can't concentrate for, like, two hours on a one, like, sustained story. And so mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I used to be a big movie person. I want to, like, challenge myself to, like, I'm going to still watch Twin Peaks and Game of Thrones, but otherwise I'm going to, like, just take a break from TV and try to just, like like, exercising a muscle, right? Just, like, try to, like watch some really classic movies I've never seen and really try to like get back to a habit of really engaging with like uh, you know cinema Um, so the first I was trying to just like um, think about like clusters of movies that would be fun to go through and I decided I was finally going to watch Sergio Leone's Man With No Name trilogy so I watched uh, Fistful of Dollars which is a remake of uh, Kurosawa's Yojimbo which is like an amazing movie in its own right and the remake is really good and then I watched for a few dollars more and so I think next week I'll finally watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly Um, they're really interesting and a lot of fun and distinctive and um, pretty rewarding I think so I recommend uh, that Sergio Leone trilogy cool 
That's exciting, dude. Yeah. That's a good obsession to have. What about you? Uh, this week, I'm obsessed with lip reading. Whoa. Yeah. I've decided that this would be a really cool skill to have. Oh, yeah. Because you could be a super spy and understand what people are saying about you from across the room. So there are these cool, like, how-to videos on YouTube what? about how to lip read. Yeah. Do you feel like you're picking it up? I mean, I've only watched a few, but yes, um, <laughs> only because though the like the the sample versions of it right are like really pronounced. So like I could probably someday like be able to read like a Robin Williams character, but never like a Christian Bale. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I would I would need that like very expressive over the top speaker okay. um, to gr- to grasp it thus far. So, but yeah, dude, I just. I don't know. Out of curiosity, I've been watching a few. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, support that wholeheartedly. That sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah. And like an yeah, actual skill you know. that might surprise you when it comes in handy. Who knows, dude? I, I'm trying to gather all the skills I can. Lock picking, lip reading. Falconry. Falconry. Alchemy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the apocalypse is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you're going to be a real viable player. <laughs> Man, I don't know what I have to contribute. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, well, you're very athletic, so I don't know. You know I busted that's... my knee many times in my life. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I can that... pick up heavy things though. So I guess just like exactly. hired help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, if if there is the apocalypse, then be like, I will get start me more like coal for the fire <laughs> for your like chemistry. I will start a, a clan, a survival clan, All and right. you can be yeah, you can Thank be my you. coal fire person. Yeah, no, I will just and I will <laughs> gladly do it. And I'll also make you walk, Lady McPug, because she's going to survive the apocalypse. <laughs> I just want to be part of one post-apocalyptic group, so. <laughs> Can't sit here. <laughs> <laughs> you, like, try to join one. You're like, I want to survive. Please, I'll do anything. And the leader is just like, Can't sit here. <laughs> uh. Okay, well... Um, well, if Billy Zane... If that was you in the trunk? Yeah. Let us know. We I'll fly around in a Chevy Malibu with Billy Zane any day. He's got some killer stories. Yeah. Billy Zane, we honor you and your spirit. Mm-hmm. And we hope that you're flying around in a Chevy Malibu. Yep. <laughs> hope you're enjoying that alien experience. Oh, and next week. Uh, yeah. Uh, Beyond the Thunderdome. Yes. Yay. Yeah. All right. See you next week. All right, boy. Bye.